we always need others in our lives and and uh, those relationships need to be there until the Lord returns because others need us and you need others. You may be at a point in your life at the moment where everything's fine, everything's hunky-dory. Not everything is always going to be hunky-dory. And people you know, their lives aren't going so well right now. And they need somebody like you to help them get along. And you all need to be in the same lifeboat together. Involvement in a life group, and we're a little ahead here um, in the PowerPoint slide, but involvement in a life group is every Christian's responsibility. Every Christian's responsibility. Church, this is this has been going on since for two, nearly two thousand years. On Pentecost, when all those people were saved, the Bible says they began to meet together from house to house. And they were observing the Lord's Supper. They were worshiping. They were studying the words, the apostles. But people were in small groups. They were in house churches. And it has been that way for the last 2,000 years. God wants us to be a part of a smaller group of believers. It's one of the ways that we fulfill the great commandment. Last week we looked at at uh, obeying God's commands. And the greatest commandment is to love God and to love other people. And the way that you can best love other people is by loving those who are in your life group. And so everyone needs to be a part of a life group. The loving others part begins with a household of faith. You know, last week I talked about that we need to love all people. Well, part in part of loving all people, where it begins, it begins in the household of faith. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It's in your outline this morning. We have, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of of faith. It's kind of hard for any one individual to love everybody in this service and everybody in the eight o'clock service. That that's an impossibility. But you can love a few people. And that's where life groups come in. Galatians um, John chapter 13 says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Relationships in a church family are critical. It needs to be a high priority in your life. Why? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, 
but have not love, I gain nothing. If we're not displaying love in our life and to one another's and to the household of faith, the Bible says our lives are bankrupt. We have nothing. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are all about relationships. The first four commandments are about our relationship with God, and the last six are about our relationship with one another. God considers relationships critical. Why are relationships so critical? Because God is love. You look, you look at his nature. His nature displays love. Not only is God love, but the Bible says it's love that's going to last forever. First Corinthians 13, 13 says, now, so now faith, hope, and love abide. But these, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love so important? Because faith and hope are going to fade away. Church, when we get to heaven, we're not going to need faith. We're not going to need hope anymore because the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be right in front of our face. But Jesus is all about love. God is love and that love is going to last for eternity. And so God wants us to be displaying this love because the third reason why, why, why relationships are so important is we are going to be evaluated by how we love others. Matthew chapter 25 verse 40 says that because you did it to the least of these, Jesus says, you did it unto me. We are to be people who love others. Chuck Colson died yesterday. And uh, I know not many of you uh, are on Twitter, but uh, uh, the tweets were, were, uh, were going strong concerning Chuck Colson, at least the people I follow yesterday. And I like what uh, Dr. Russell Moore said in one of his tweets. He said, I believe Mr. Colson uh, just heard a Galilean voice say, I was imprisoned and you visited me. If you know anything about Chuck Colson's life, you know, before he went to prison, he gave his life to Jesus Christ and he spent nine months in prison. But following uh, his time in prison because of Watergate and some other things that he had done, um, he began a prison ministry that has been worldwide and has had a huge impact on so many people's lives. We're going to be evaluated by how we've loved. Jesus says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. The Bible knows nothing about spiritual hermits. It doesn't encourage us to be spiritual hermits. The Bible encourages us to be in this together. In your outline, the Bible says that we are put together. We are joined together. We are built together. 
We are members together. We are fitted together. We are held together. And we are going to be caught up together for all eternity. Amen? Folks, we need to be together. When it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's not only... it, it is to be not it, it may be personal, but it was never meant to be private. Not only are we to believe in what Jesus has done for us, but we are to belong to him and to one another. And we do that in relationships. Think of the human body. Think of the vital organs in our body or or a limb. If we were to remove a limb or one of those organs and set it off to the side, what would happen? It would die. It would wither away. Church, we need each other. This is one of my, um, the branches, branches off one of my grapevines. I removed this branch from the vine this morning at 730. You know, when I saw this branch on the grapevine, it was strong. It was, it was hardy. It was full of life. But in a very short period of time, it has done this. Friends, that's what happens in our spiritual life. If we're not truly connected to God's body, Christ's body, the local church, And I'm not just talking about coming together and being a part of this worship service. I'm talking about being in a lifeboat with some other believers and encouraging one another. Folks, we need that in our life. Romans 12 verses 4 and 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We need more than just Bible reading to grow as Christians. We need each other. We need to be studying the word together. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to be helping one another. We need to be working on the rough edges that we all have and learning to love one another unconditionally. That's how we grow. That's how we mature in our relationship with Christ. So as we look at relationships and, and the purpose of relationships, I want us to just talk about a few characteristics this morning that need to describe not only our life groups throughout the week in in homes, but they need to describe our life groups here on Sunday morning in our what we call Sunday school classes. These are all life groups. But uh, as I go through these characteristics, I want you to evaluate. I mean, this has hit home for me. I mean, our, our, my home group is not doing a really good job at characterizing these, these four things. But uh, these need to be a part of all, of all of our life groups here at Emmanuel. Number one, they need to be authentic. 
They need to be real. They need to be safe enough to where we share our hurts. We reveal our feelings. We confess our failures. We disclose doubt. We admit our fears. We acknowledge our weaknesses. We ask for help. Do you have that kind of safe environment in the life group that you're you're a part of? That needs to be characteristic of your time with each other. You know, I remember growing up at Trinity Southern Baptist Church in Fresno. And uh, all of the adult classes um, that were uh, happening on Sunday morning, uh, they were all separated, men from the women. And uh, my dad, my dad never went to one of those Sunday school classes because he didn't like to be separated from my mom. He he felt like we need they needed to be in Sunday school together. And I thought, you know, that's kind of odd, but folks, that has a purpose. That that has a place in our church and in our life group. You know, there's some things that um, men and women just can't be transparent with each other uh, in co-ed groups. There needs to be uh, times with your life group where you guys separate men from the women and just share what's going on. Um, And you'll find that that men and women are going to be a whole lot more honest and vulnerable in in those those segregated groups than they would ever be in a co-ed group. There needs to be that opportunity, that, that transparency, that, that risk to just lay it out there and allow others to accept you for who you are and encourage you to do the right thing. Do you have that kind of group in your life? You need that kind of group. I need that kind of group. Typically in churches, this is a very hard thing to do because we don't want to be vulnerable. We want to come to church. We want to have our mask on. You may have had an upside down week uh, that week. You come to church, someone asks you, how you doing? You say, fine. You just lied. I lie. It's not always fine. You need a, you need a group where you can be honest with others. I uh, I meet with men on Monday morning for prayer. And uh, I want to encourage you guys. We haven't stopped doing that. I haven't advertised it very much. But uh, 5 o'clock on Monday morning, we come down. We pray for for us. Uh, 6 o'clock, thank you. I said 5 o'clock, the 8 o'clock service. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. 6 a.m., meet down here, pray for an hour, and uh, encourage one another. But... Um, in January, I decided I was going to come out of the closet with these guys. And I admitted that I have an addiction for food. I like food. And food likes me. And, uh, and I've tried to hide that addiction. And, you know, the guys were all shocked when I admitted this. <laughs> like you are. But, uh, yeah, I, I've struggled with my weight, and I have my entire life. And, 
And uh, I've been around here long enough. You've seen me shrink, and then you've seen me swell. And you see me shrink a little bit and then swell some more. And uh, I told the guys, you know what? You need to pray for me because I've not been doing well, and I need to get a handle on this. And uh, and I've been checking in with them and uh, letting them know my progress. And just let you know, okay, I'm almost halfway to my goal right now. I hit the 30-pound mark yesterday. Got a ways to go. But, uh, but we need to be honest. And, um, yeah, I like what uh, one, one person said on Facebook a while back. They said, you know, I'm not fat. God loves me so much, he just supersized me. <laughs> And that was my excuse. But I can't live with that. And I need to do the right thing. And uh, and so I was vulnerable with those guys. But you need to have a group where you can just be open and honest. And you know what? They walk with you through that. They don't judge you. They don't ostracize you. That's not love. It's it's being honest and then allowing the rest of them to come around alongside you and encourage you through that process. That needs to be the chemistry. That needs to be the atmosphere of a life life group. Authenticity. First John one says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. You know, the world talks about intimacy taking place in the darkness. Real intimacy doesn't take place in the darkness. It takes place in the light. The Bible says, step into the light. Let the light shine on who you really are. And let God love you, let let others love you, and get you where you need to be. That's real intimacy. The second characteristic of life group is that they help each other. They help each other. Over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or each other is used. We are commanded to love each other to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to admonish each other, to greet each other, and to bear with each other. Do you have somebody or people that you're doing this with? Your life group needs to have this as part of their time together. Who are you doing these things with? Romans fourteen nineteen says, So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So helping each other. Number three, being sympathetic to each other. Bible says in Galatians 6, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's three levels of fellowship when it comes to the Christian's life with others. Number one, the first level, the lowest level, is the sharing and the studying of God's word together. Okay, It's just kind of like the intellectual knowledge of our our relationship with God. 
The second higher level of fellowship or intimacy is serving with one another. Next week, we are encouraging life groups to come together and do a project together. It'll be something that's fun. It will be, it'll get you out of your routine of how you usually see each other. Families do this together. There's a great time of fellowship afterwards. This is, this is healthy for your church that you find projects and do accomplish those projects together. Maybe there's someone in your life group that uh, needs something done that it's a project far bigger than they can handle themselves well the, the group can come together and help that that family get that project done but they're serving together so take advantage of next saturday and be the church day but don't just make that an annual event do things uh, throughout the year and then the th- third level of fellowship is the suffering level. Um, And you know, people who understand this most are are experiencing that level of intimacy, of relationship, are people who, who are Christians in third world countries or in Muslim countries where there are Christians who are being persecuted for their faith, but they're, they're, they're held together by their relationship with God and their meaning, oftentimes in secret, but they're suffering. But in their suffering, you know what? That group is there for each other. That's the highest level of fellowship. And that's the level that God wants to take us to as a family of people who are in our lifeboat. And then the final characteristic of community of a life group is life groups are merciful. They're merciful. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Is your life, life group one of mercy and forgiveness. You know, when there's individuals who can't learn to forgive each other and, you know, love covers a multitude of sin, the Bible says, if they can't forgive, and oftentimes one of those couples, families, or person, they'll drop out and their life suffers. That life group suffers because they didn't work through the relationship. It takes a lot of grace and mercy to maintain fellowship. And oftentimes you've got to speak the truth in love. When, it ta- you know, when we're talking about being merciful, we're not just talking about being forgiving giving and just let, letting everything slide and we're just going to co- accommodate any type of behavior. No, we need to encourage people to become more Christ-like. But when they fail, we speak the truth in love and pray that they'll they'll come back to the Lord. But we need to be merciful. Is your life group merciful? So four characteristics. Authenticity. Mercy. 
helpful and sympathetic. Do these describe yours? One, one characteristic I didn't, I didn't mention in this message is, you know what, it needs to be evangelistic too. Don't just become inward focused. Have an empty chair. And you need to be praying as a group, who can fill that empty chair? Particularly somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Who can we invite? And it may be intimidating to that per- outside person to bring them to a Bible study. Maybe you just need to have a barbecue or need to go to a ball game or uh, include them in on a service project. Let them get to know the people, the personalities in that group. But there needs to be an empty chair, and you need to be thinking to yourselves, who else can we invite to our group? It can't be ingrown. But these are the relationships that God would have us to have with each other. Now, the application of this message is, how is my life group matching with these characteristics? What are some areas that we need to be working on, that we need to encourage? And then focus on that. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not in a life group. You're just coming to the service and... and um, that's all that's reflected in your Christian life. My friend, you need more. Because this is really what's happening on the inside of your spiritual life. You need to be accountable to others. You need to be vulnerable. You need to open up and allow others to open up to you. That's what the life group is all about. Maybe on your connection card this morning, you need to say, I need to be a part of a life group. Can you find me one? But let me encourage you in this area too. Don't wait for somebody to invite you to their life group. Maybe you need to start a life group. And you're here this morning. I, you know, I've never led a small group Bible study. I wouldn't know what to do. Well, guess what? Karen will train you. And then we have resources that are very simple in helping one lead a life group. You just put in a DVD and there's discussion questions following and it's pretty easy. And you'll be encouraged by how God will use you. Maybe you don't want to lead, but you could open up your home and you could be a hostess. Karen will train you in how to be a hostess as well. But one of the driving values of this church is that everybody needs to be connected. It's not enough just to come to a church service. You need to be in a lifeboat, a life group that will help get you through. That's the application. May this value drive your behavior as it's going to drive the behavior of this church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the church 
And God, you intended for us from the very beginning of Pentecost to be in homes with one another, to share life together. And Lord, our church is doing that, but I think at times we're not doing it very well and and I'm not modeling it consistently in my life group. Father, I pray that we would have groups that would be safe, that would be loving, that would be merciful, that would share life with each other. Lord, help us as a church to help every every person feel and be connected to somebody because everybody needs somebody. God, that's how you designed us. So, Lord, as we move forward and as we plan for the future, uh, Lord, may our programs, may our actions reflect this, this key value not just corporately, the Father individually. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.